There we go. Good morning. Good to see everybody. So what we wanted to do as we kind of get this summer started as a church is um, launch into a series where we, we talk about your spiritual fire and kind of keeping the fire, how to keep the spiritual fire burning in our lives. And uh, the next four weeks in June, we're really going to be focused on our spiritual lives and how we keep that fire really burning bright. And, uh, you know, I love this quote from Bill Johnson. Uh, I was at a conference and I listened to, to Bill and, and, and he said this, I don't think it's possible to see the fulfillment of purpose, the fulfillment of dreams until we know how to navigate disappointment, loss, criticism, and betrayal. So God has a destination for you. He has purpose for you. He has dreams for you. But if we're going to get there, we're going to face kind of having to get through a forest. And in that forest are always these four things. There's no way around them. There's no way to, to sidestep it or to somehow not face these things. You will face these things. And you've already faced these things, most likely. And if you haven't, you will face these things. Disappointment, right? Somebody lets us down. Unmet expectations. Loss. Somebody leaves or somebody dies too early. Criticism. People giving us feedback that's, that's less than kind, you know, and betrayal when our friends kind of turn our back on us. So how do we keep that fire in our lives burning when, when we have to face these things? These are the things that dampen the fire. These are the things that are like a wet blanket on the fire of our lives with the Lord. And Jesus said it more succinctly this way in John 16. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have disappointment. You will have loss. You will have criticism and betrayal. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And this series is really focused on the, the take heart part. How do we do that? How do we take heart in the midst of all that we face in the world? You know, God revealed himself as fire. And you know he could have chosen anything. He could have literally picked any element. I am, you know, stick. I don't know. It wouldn't have been as impressive. He could have picked anything. And he uses multiple ways to kind of reveal himself, but fire was one of the main ways he decided to reveal himself to Israel and to us. He goes, if you want to know what I'm like, look at your campfire. And we see it in Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And this is the beautiful thing about God, is that he's a fire, but the thing that he consumes, he doesn't destroy. Do you know that most things that consume us will destroy us? God is the only thing that can completely consume us and not destroy us. We won't burn up when we're consumed with the fire of God. We see him show up as fire again in Exodus 24. It says, the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. There's this consuming fire and smoke on top of the mountain. And God has the audacity to invite Moses into it. And guys, in this series, that's exactly what we're doing. 
We're looking at the consuming fire that is God, and we're trying to have ears to hear him say, come on in. Come on into this consuming fire and let it consume you. Be set ablaze. Now, in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, in other words, the kingdom of God that will last forever, since that's our inheritance, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. And he's quoting Deuteronomy 4.24 there. Our God is a consuming fire. Let's worship him with reverence and awe. This is what God's like. And then one of the most just amazing things that's ever happened in the history of the world. We read about in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So instead of a a consuming fire being on Mount Sinai, that consuming fire came down on Mount Zion where the disciples were gathered and then separated and the fire came on each one of them. So not just inviting Moses into the fire, the fire came to us to dwell in us. You have the consuming fire of the Lord, the same fire that was on Mount Sinai now dwells in you if you're a follower of Jesus. I mean, that is just unbelievable. It's one thing to be invited into the fire. It's another thing for the fire to be invited into us. I mean, that's a game changer. God is a consuming fire. We have this fire. So what are we supposed to do with it? What are we supposed to do with this fire that's in us when we face all the things that life throws at us? Well, I think we can learn from the priests here. When the priests were kind of doing their thing, doing their ministry in the tabernacle and in the temple, this is what it says about fire. This is a foreshadowing. It says in Leviticus 6, the fire on the altar, this is where they did their... uh, sacrifices, they would put animals on this altar. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offering on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Guys, this is a foreshadow for us. The job of the priest was to go and put wood on that fire, to stoke that fire, and that fire was to keep burning. It had to be ready for any sacrifice that was going to be put on it, and it wasn't ever allowed to go out. This is in the old temple. Don't ever let this fire go out. And it wasn't just that fire. We see in Leviticus 24, they talk about the the lamps that are inside the holy place. The Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning continually. There's that word again. Keep those lamps burning continually. Outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant Law in the Tent of Meeting, Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. The lamps on the pure gold lampstands before the Lord must be tended continually. Not only, he says, not only priests do I want you to keep the fire on the altar burning continually. When you get into the holy place and on the right side, there'll be these golden lamps, these golden lampstands with lamps on top, burning olive oil. And I want you to tend to them continually, never let them going out. 
And if we look at a picture of the temple, you can see this is the fire on the altar they were to keep burning continually. But in here are these lamps and the lampstands, and everything in there was plated in gold. So when these lamps were burning, the light would bounce off the gold walls, and there was this gold-amber glow. It was supposed to represent what the throne room of heaven looked like, this glow of the glory of God. And the lights were to be kept burning continuously, but they had to keep adding fuel, adding oil, adding firewood. They had to tend to it continually. Guys, this is the old temple. Fire in the old temple was never to go out. So what do you think the new temple is supposed to be about? What is the new temple? Well, you are the new temple. 1 Corinthians 3 says that we gather together, we are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6 says individually we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this fire that we've been given is supposed to never go out. 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul gives this advice to his protege, Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy had this gift of the Holy Spirit in him, and he says, Timothy, don't let that thing go out. Fan it into flame. Tend to that flame. Keep that flame going. Don't let life dampen it. Don't let persecution dampen it. Don't let disappointment and criticism and loss And betrayal, don't let these things dampen your fire. Fan it into flame. And then Paul writes to the Romans. Romans 12, 11, he says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, the English kind of covers up sort of the full impact of what he's saying here. So let me just break it down. In the Greek, it says, Not lagging in speedy diligence. That word translated as zeal actually means speedy diligence or quick obedience. Don't drag your feet. Be quick about obedience. When the Lord says do something, do it. Be quick about it. Don't drag your feet. Don't lag behind when the Lord says do something. In speedy diligence. And it goes on saying being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That word fervent in the Greek actually means to boil, to bubble over. So there's this idea that we need to have a fire in us that creates a boil, that creates a bubbling over, right? We could say this, keep your spiritual fire so hot that it's hot enough to boil and to bubble over. Tend to your fire. You should be boiling inside with your spirit. It should be bubbling over to people around you. It should be catching on to your coworkers and your neighbors. They should see the boil that's happening. Have you ever waited on a pot to boil? You know, there's the saying, you know, a watch pot never boils. It seems like it takes forever. Is it just me? Is it just me when you're like, yeah, pasta tonight? And you're just, do you guys just stand there and stare at it like I do? Or do you go do something? Okay, I just stare at it. I think if I stare at it, it'll like happen faster. And then you wait, and then you see a little, little bit of movement in the water, and you're like, yes, and no, you got five more minutes. And then the little tiny bubbles at the bottom start. And then the bubbles get bigger and you're wondering, should I put the pasta in now or wait till the big bubbles come? And should I put the salt in now? Or if I put the salt in before, it made it take longer. You scientists know this. It made it take longer to bubble. Inside of us is not supposed to be a pot that we're waiting to boil. 
it is supposed to be continuously boiling over. That hot. That's how spiritually on fire we are to continually be. Not just when we become Christians, but ever increasing as we continue in the Lord, on fire for him. So how do we keep that spiritual fire burning? How do we maintain the fire? Well, again, you scientists in the room, you know the second law of thermodynamics, this increase of entropy. In layman's turn, uh, a fire left by itself will eventually burn out. You, you, you have a campfire, you, you get it going, you get it burning, you can't just sit there and stare at it and do nothing, right? Entropy tells us that fire is going to, there's an equilibrium that it's seeking, right? And energy is being released and eventually it's just going to peter out. It's just going to turn into hot coals and then eventually it's just going to go out. If we don't actively tend to the fire, it will go out. That's why the priests were commanded to tend to the fire in the temple. Guys, here's the thing. I, I want to just, can I just dispel this for a second? I think a lot of Christians think this. So long as I don't have some great rebellion against the Lord, I'm fine. So long as I don't do some big, heinous sin, then I'm good. But do you know that the drift happens in your spiritual life naturally? Guys, it's not about a big sin that happens. It's not about some big, gigantic rebellion from the Lord. It's not about being the prodigal son. Do you know that most people step away from their faith just because of the slow drift? Not because of some gigantic sin. It's because they get on fire and then they just let it burn out. Do you know why most of the time people walk away from their relationship with Jesus? It's not because they do something. It's because they don't do something. It's because they do nothing. And they think it's just going to keep on going. I'm just going to keep on loving Jesus and I just, I'm just going to keep going and drift here and I'm good to go. And that's not at all how fires work. The priests were commanded, tend to the fire, keep the fuel on the fire, keep the fire burning. Guys, that same thing is true in our own life. Many things in life will try to dampen our fire. Our zeal and our passion for the Lord will diminish and our faith will run cold if we let it, right? We'll face disappointment and criticism and loss and hard things and fear and we'll face all these things and they will dampen our fire. And if we're not tending to our fire, we're gonna feel the drift, so what does a fire need to burn? Just a physical fire. It needs fuel. It needs heat, right? You have an ignition source, and you got to keep it around heat. And then oxygen. These are the three main things that all fires need to keep going. And I would say, if we're talking about a spiritual fire, then it needs these three things as well. We need fuel. We need heat. We need oxygen. And then I'll add one more thing. I think we need an offering to put on the fire. And I think if we have these four things then you can be sure your fire for the Lord will be burning bright, but we need these four things. And these are the four things that we're gonna talk about in the next four weeks. Each one, one at a time. So this morning we're talking about fuel. What is fuel for our spiritual fire? Well, in the old temple, there was wood and there was oil. So what is it in the new temple? Jesus gives us a clue here when he's being harassed by Satan. In Matthew 4, it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus wasn't talking about physical food here. He was talking about spiritual food. He was talking about fuel for your soul. And what does he say is fuel for your soul? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, the word of God is fuel for your fire. If you want to keep your spiritual fire burning, you need the word of God in your life on a regular basis. 
Romans 15, 4 says this, for everything that was written in the past, he's talking about the Bible, scripture, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So there's two things there. The first is through the endurance taught in the scriptures. When you go and read scripture, you learn about endurance. You learn about what it is to keep that fire burning. Scriptures teach us how to have endurance in the spiritual life, but it does the second thing, encouragement they provide. They provide the encouragement. When you read the scriptures, you get encouraged by reading the people who have gone before you in faith and the words of God to you. You you get encouraged by reading the life of Jesus and the words of Paul and you get stoked up and inside of you that fire begins to burn again. So a simple question for this morning How are you fueling up on the word of God? I'm gonna mention three kinds of fuel this morning, but that's number one. How are you fueling up on the word of God? Guys, we can't take the Bible for granted. There's people in other countries that literally freak out if they get a Bible because it's so precious to them. It's so rare to them in closed countries where they're not really allowed to have them. And like, guys, we can go online and we have how many resources? Go to Bible Gateway, it gives me for free, it gives me like 50 translations of the Bible because I need 50, right? It gives me everything, it gives me a Greek translation. It, it gives me everything for free, right? There's Bible apps on my phone. There's reading programs on my phone. They can remind me, right? I, I can get my phone to remind me to read the Bible, We've got everything at our fingertips, but how often do we take that for granted and just say, eh, eh, I kind of know what's in there. God loves me, you know, it's that sort of thing. But what I'm saying is, if you want to throw a log on the fire, stay in the word of God. So what does it look like for you? Daily reading? I would encourage you to start a new habit this summer. Read daily. Daily. Get in the word daily. Is it a chapter of scripture? Is it a few verses? Whatever it is. Is it a section of scripture? There's another way, and that's to study. We have women's Bible studies and men's studies, and there's studies online that you can do. You can go and and buy stuff from Amazon, Bible studies, where you actually dig in and get deep into the word. That's a way to fuel your soul. And meditation is just when you allow, you take a small section of scripture and you journal about it, you write about it, you pray through that scripture, that one scripture. Just take one scripture all week and just let it soak. You know how water sometimes takes time to soak into the soil? That's what meditation is. When you meditate on the word of God, you're allowing it to soak into your soul, to the deepest place of your heart, to where that word actually gets in you. And not just bounces off your mind, but seeps into your heart. Guys, we need this. We need this. It's not the spiritual elite that reads scripture daily. It's the people that are desperate. So if you think you got it all figured out, then by no means, don't read the Bible. Like if you're good, if you're a super spiritual giant, just stay away from reading the Bible because you're good. But if you're actually hungry to grow, to keep that fire alive, I'm telling you, I need scripture in my life and you need scripture in your life. Second kind of fuel, Jesus mentions it this way. John chapter six, he says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying, again, he's not talking about physical food. He's saying, if you want food, if you want fuel for your soul, then I'm it. 
John talks about Jesus this way. In John 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word. He's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in your life, if you feel the need for life, an infusion of life, that's Jesus. If you need an infusion of light, you're experiencing darkness and there's a dark cloud over your life and you need some light to break through, that's Jesus. So he is our second fuel. He is the capital W, word of God. And connecting with him will fuel your soul, will light you on fire. Now one way of doing that is to get into the word and read scripture, but there's other ways to do it. I love what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, these are actual Jesus' words. He's speaking to the church in Ephesus. Revelation 2, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. There's this, there's this imagery here of the church in Ephesus that they just kept, they were persevering and persevering and not growing weary and persevering. But they had kind of lost their intimacy with Jesus. They had lost their first love with Jesus. Like when they became Christians, at first they were on fire. Anybody else experience this? They were like on fire for Jesus, super excited about Jesus, wanted to get in the word, wanted to spend time with him, really excited. And over time, life just came at them. And even though they were faithful to persevere, they had lost that intimacy with Jesus that they had at first. And Jesus' advice, I love it, I love it. He goes, listen guys, go back to that love you had at first. You remember that like romantic feeling you had, that, that honeymoon phase that you had with me? That was never meant to be a honeymoon phase. You were meant to be that intimate with me for your entire life. In fact, it was supposed to increase from there, not decrease from there. How do we get there? Go back and do the things you did at first. What'd you do at first? You know, when we first become Christians, sometimes we're like, man, I'm going to read this whole Bible like in three months. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pray all the time. And I'm just going to tell people about Jesus. And I'm going to you know, serve the church, and I'm going to be, and they were like, yeah, but then life happens. Jesus is like, here's the deal, guys. Go back to the things you did at first. Those things were the things that brought you life. Be that passionate about me now. So how does that happen? John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is imploring us, stay connected to me, stay connected to me. I am the vine, you are the branches, stay connected. If you stay connected, I promise you, there's gonna be fruit in your life. I promise you, you're gonna be on fire for the Lord. You're gonna be so on fire, you're not even gonna know what to do with yourself. You're gonna be just busting out of the seams, you know? That fire is gonna be boiling over to everyone around you if you stay connected to me, but if you don't stay connected to me. He doesn't say you'll be able to do some things. He said, you're gonna, your fire's gonna die. So how are you fueling up on the word of God, Jesus? Are you spending time with him in prayer? You know the kids, if you have kids, uh, especially the older kids, the younger kids and the older kids downstairs below us this morning are talking about prayer. In fact, Missy was helping put this together, but the older kids are creating a little um, trifold prayer closet. You know, little trifold things. They're creating for themselves a prayer closet. Here, here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing some of those older kids 
Whew. Thank you, Lord. I'm guessing some of those older kids are going to go home and they're going to use their prayer closet. Guys, as adults, we can't let our kids be praying more than we are. These kids are going to go home and they're going to set up their little prayer closet and they're going to get down on their knees and they're going to cry out to their Savior. But man, what are the grown-ups doing? What are we doing up here? They're learning all about prayer down there. What are we doing up here? The other thing we can do to connect with Jesus is to fill our mind with him, to fix our eyes on him. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It says, sit your mind on things above. How are we doing that? That can come through podcasts and sermons and books. Man, sometimes, listen, guys, I get up in the morning, I spend time in prayer, I spend time in worship, I spend time in the word, and even then, I feel a craving. There are times that even after all that, every single day, I'm like, man, I need more, God. I need more of you. I can feel the drift. I can feel the pull of the world. I can feel the disappointment. I can feel the loss. It's getting to me, God. It's getting to me. And I need to go online. And listen, even as a preacher, I sit and just listen people preach at me because I need it. And while we, we do like 30-minute sermons in here, the guys I listen to preach for like an hour and a half. And I'm like, yes, Lord, more, Lord. And I'll listen to two sermons a day and I'll listen on podcasts and I'm just like, I need the truth I need the word. I need encouragement. I need people preaching to me more than you do. So is that in your life? Do you have sermons that you listen to, guys that you listen to, girls that you listen to, podcasts that you listen to, things that you can fill up your day with Jesus that turns your affections and your mind to Jesus throughout your day? And finally, worship. Do you wait for Sunday to worship, or do you have worship music going on in your house? Do you have worship music that you're listening to in the mornings on the way to work? Do you saturate your life worshiping and, and telling God? Do you get done with the end of your day, and as you're closing your eyes, do you just adore him? Do you just say, Jesus, you're worthy? Jesus, God, thank you for today. God, thank you for everything you've given me. I'm so grateful, God. God, I can't wait to get up with you tomorrow morning. When you wake up in the morning, do you think of him first? Do you think, God, I'm so glad you gave me today? Jesus, I can't wait to be with you today. That's the bubble we're talking about, where your life is about Jesus and Jesus and more Jesus and a little bit more Jesus, and it's all about him all the time. You know what eternity is going to be about? Jesus. All the time, all day long, this is what you're preparing for in everything that you do. This is fire. This is fire. Okay. Third fuel. Jesus hangs out with this woman at the well, and his disciples get hungry. I can relate. I'm always asking, like, when dinner is. In John 4, his disciples come up to him. says, meanwhile, his disciples urge him, Rabbi, eat something. I'm sure they were really concerned with, with his hunger, right? Really? They're like, when can we go get some Mickey D's, you know? What? But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Again, he's not talking about physical food here. He's talking about fuel for your soul. What is fuel for his soul? He says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's his food. His food, the thing that's fueling him, is to do the will of him who sent me. 
Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. He's looking around at the crowds and he's saying to his disciples, listen guys, these people are hungry for God. They just, they don't even know it. And we can look around our neighborhood and we can look around our office space and we can look around the the Starbucks and realize people are hungry for God and don't even know it. They long for something more, just like we longed for something more when we found Jesus. Now, what is this food he's talking about? Well, it's basically obedience. It's doing what God asks of you. There's a strange thing in the kingdom of God that when you obey, you get filled up. When, when you're asked to give, you're the one that receives. God's kingdom is constantly upside down like that. First will be last. Last will be first. You want to stoke your fire inside of you? Obey. Do the last thing God told you to do. Galatians 6, 9, and 10, Paul says this to the church in Galatia. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Have you guys run into that point where you're just tired of doing good? Like, have you gotten there yet? Because you'll get there. I mean, you just run into this wall. You, you sacrifice, you give, you give, you sacrifice, and then all of a sudden you run into the wall. And that's why he needed to write this to the Galatians. And he needs to write it to us too. Do not grow weary in doing good. Man, I, I have to memorize this verse and I have to keep telling myself this verse. Mark, do not grow weary in doing good. Keep going, keep at it. I can't expect someone else to be my cheerleader. I have to strengthen myself in the Lord. I have to be the one that's like, look, don't grow weary. Keep going. Keep being obedient. Keep being faithful. And the enemy comes in and whispers, yeah, but, but, yeah, but, yeah, but people don't appreciate it. Yeah, but it's not, you're not really bearing any fruit. Yeah, but it's not working out. You pray, how many times have you prayed for that thing, Mark? And it's not even going to come to fruition. And the enemy keeps whispering and keeps chirping, and we have to be louder with the word of God when we say, I'm not going to become weary. I will reap a harvest. I will reap a harvest. It'll be Jesus' reward when the harvest comes. And we keep going. I love this. Luke 6, Jesus kind of talks about this idea. He says, give and it will be given to you. That's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about not coming to church saying, how much can I get out of this? Not coming to small group, not coming to link group and going, how much can I get out of this? But actually saying, I'm gonna come to give. What can I give today? And as soon as you step into that posture of what can I give today? How can I reach out to somebody? How can I encourage someone today? How can I pray for someone today? And suddenly you feel yourself getting filled up as you give out. He says, give and it will be given to you. The fire inside of us gets stoked up as we give our life away. And even more, he says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God is so generous. He gives us even more than we give out. He gives us even more than we give away. But it's about being obedient to the Lord, doing the last thing that he asks you to do. If you're feeling your fire go cold, one thing you can do is this. Go back to the last thing you think God told you to do that you didn't do. Just, let, just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, bring to mind, what's the last thing you told me to do that I didn't do? Go back and do that thing. 
and watch your fire catch a blaze. So how are you fueling up by doing his will? Practicing quick obedience. We talked about that earlier. You know, Jesus says, jump. You say, how high? I'm going to go after it. Listen, here's, here's spiritual maturity. When we first start doing this, the gap between what he tells us to do and our obedience is like this. Eventually we get there, but it takes us a while. We deliberate. We're not sure. Da, 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 da. And maturity is this. When the gap between what he tells us to do and what we actually do closes. This is Christian maturity. This is growth. Are you living out your calling? Not someone else's calling. Not what someone else wants you to do, but what God has called you to do. There's a fire in that. I remember working a Christian camp for fourth through eighth graders. How many know fourth through eighth graders can be exhausting? And I worked 10 weeks. It was a 10-week summer camp. It was a Christian sports camp. So we were tired anyway from doing the sports all day with them. We'd do a Bible study with them. We'd have a worship every night. We'd get up at 6 a.m. We'd go all day with middle schoolers. We'd, we'd end our time with them around 9 o'clock after the worship service was over. And then we might have a little time in the evening and then go to bed. And we'd wake up the next day and do it all over again for 10 weeks. I did that for four summers. But I got to tell you, it was amazing. And here's the phrase we used to say. I am completely exhausted right in the center of your will. And I can tell you there was a strength in being right in the center of his will that was unbelievable because we were physically drained, we were spiritually drained, but it didn't matter. When the time came to get something done, it was like a supernatural energizing effect because we were right in the center of God's will, sharing the good news of Christ with these middle schoolers through sports. And man, that's where it's at, living out your calling. And when you're living out your calling, you'll likely be completely exhausted right in the center of God's will. And are you giving away your life? Are you looking for opportunities to give your life away, to give your time away, to give your efforts away, to give your love away, to give your money away? Are you looking for opportunities to give? For God so loved the world that he gave. That's what love does. It gives. And watch as God lights your fire as you give your life away. So as the worship team comes up, just going to close with these questions. How hot is your fire? Is it enough to boil over? Guys, we're not called to have a little simmer inside. We're not called to saute vegetables here, right? We're, we need a bubble. We need a boil. We need to be so hot that we're boiling over to the people around us. So maybe it requires this. Is it time to throw more fuel on the fire? Maybe this morning I mentioned some ways you can fuel up. Getting in God's word, prayer, time with him. Maybe going on a hike and just spending time in nature with him. Whatever it looks like for you. Is it time to throw more fuel on the fire? And maybe it's not more fuel, guys. Maybe it's different fuel. Maybe there's a different way you need to connect with scripture. Maybe there's a different way you need to connect with Jesus. Maybe there's a different way you need to step out in obedience that God is calling you to. I love this quote. Nobody's really sure if it's from John Wesley or not. But he said, set yourself on fire with passion and people will come for miles to watch you burn. And I love that, but I gotta be honest, I'm not interested in anyone watching me burn. I wanna catch everyone on fire 
Do you hear me? I don't want to be a spectacle. I don't want to be the one on fire while everyone else is standing around going, ooh, look at that. I want to be on fire so that the fire spreads, so that it boils over. Guys, I want us as a church to be a forest fire that catches Towson on fire. And we can do that together, but it starts with each individual person having that fire in them, and then we all come together. Jesus said it better, I think. He said this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want people to see a fire on my life. I want them to catch on fire, and I want them to glorify, not me. I don't want to be a spectacle. I want them to glorify the Father in heaven. And I want you to be on fire. I want you to be on fire in your neighborhood. I want you to be on fire at your workplace. I want the fire in you to spread to everyone around you. As you were meant to be on fire. You were meant to be consumed with the fire of the Lord. We got to fuel up. This morning is a prayer Sunday, and so if you're feeling that need for somebody to pray for you for anything, if it's a physical need, a spiritual need, an emotional need, you can come down this hallway, and in the sanctuary, the prayer team will be waiting for you. And maybe this morning you're feeling like your fire is a little dim, and you need some people just to, just to add some fuel to your fire through prayer, and we'd love to do that for you. And of course, as always, if you have any questions, you can text that phone. Let's pray. Father, we want to be on fire for you. Holy Spirit, it is the greatest privilege we can possibly consider that you would come and dwell in us, that the very fire of the Lord would dwell in us. God, what an honor that is. God, we don't want that fire to go out. We don't want that passion to die. And we're facing stuff, God, you know. You know the disappointments and the loss and the criticism and the betrayal. God, you know the fears and the pain and the hurts. And you know everything we're facing that's trying to dampen our fire. And we just surrender all that to you, God. Would you set us ablaze once again? Would you return us to our first love? Lord, may we be consumed by the fire of the Lord. And I ask that Horizon Church would be a forest fire set ablaze by you. In Jesus' name, amen.